And now, here's your host of Shaping Success, Wes Tankersley. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Shaping Success. I am your host, Wes Tankersley. Before we get started, if you would like to help support the show, to upgrade, to get better sound, get better cameras, get all the things that I need to do to run the show because, you know, my wife's getting tired of me spending my own money and not getting anywhere. So if you would like to do that, please support me on the Patreon. It helps me to upgrade everything that we can. You can go to Wes at westtankersley.com, westtankersley.com. That website is coming up. Having that website is part of some of the things that we have to do in order to make sure that you get to see everything. So that is working. Had to pay for that. And um, those are just some of the things that will help you upgrade, make it easier to find the show. If you find any value in it, I truly appreciate it. In a minute, we'll talk about the law of authenticity, which um, we have talked about different laws in this book, The Go-Giver with Bob Berg and John David Mann. So we've already talked about the law of value. We've talked about the law of compensation, the law of influence. We're going to talk about the law of authenticity in a minute here, but I wanted to kind of talk to you about the show in in general. I get self-conscious. So sometimes when you get a show that doesn't, doesn't happen, when you get a classic show, it's because I got to the point where I was afraid to record the show. As you know, I've lived in a rental for the last two years in the recording space that I'm sitting in right now is in between the master bedroom and the kids' bedrooms. And it's right in the middle. And so I have some foam board in front of me. You can look in the back. You know that um, if you've listened for a while that you know we had a little flood in the house. So behind me, you can see right now the water softener, other shoulder that way, um, is just hanging out. Then we got the little you know, oh, it's over there. You got the little crib over there too. So we have my nephew comes over and we babysit him. So he sleeps there. And there's just, it's really hard to record something without someone else listening. And you may think that I make it easy. Maybe you don't. But the fact of the matter is it's easy to speak. It's easy to talk when no one else is around. You guys are listening to this. But the hard part is that if you don't like it, I don't really hear from you. And if you do like it, I do hear from you. So I don't really have to really think about those things while I'm recording. I think more about what I am doing, what I am saying, and how I'm articulating information. So it's been really hard for me for the last two years to do this. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that you've seen some pictures or Facebook of my new house that I'm building. Really cool, dedicated space just for podcasting. I can essentially walk out my master bedroom, go around the corner, go in the door, and I'm in a studio. It's going to be a studio. So it's going to be my own recording space. So I could record anytime I want without anyone messing with me. So it's kind of nice. And I can't wait for that to happen. But we're still like six months away from that. So I have to make do what I thought I have. And I have to get over myself and say the things that I need to say in front of you, even if it's uncomfortable for me where I'm recording. So I wanted to, you know, kind of keep going with that, um, the go-giver. I know that this is not a book podcast, but these things that are in this book, The Go-Giver by Bob Berg and John David Mann, have so many good lessons in there. And there's these five laws that really hit home with me. They really relate to me. They really are who I am. And it was very nice to listen to someone talk about the things that you do and how you really feel and read it in a book. This book is fiction. I mostly read nonfiction stuff. Um, but it is really, you know, it's kind of not quite fiction because it really is about these two guys in a combination of what they did in life and what they do in life. And 
you know, the thing is, is it really is something that you can use if you're trying to move forward, you're trying to push on, you're trying to be positive in that headspace. These are things that you can think about and tools that you can use to help you be better at whatever you're trying to do. So we talked about the law of value. We talked about the law of compensation. We talked about the law of influence. There's five laws in this book. And the next one we're going to talk about is the law of authenticity. I'm going to read it here from you. So like, if you see me looking around from the camera, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. I can't read and look at the camera at the same time. And I'm not even looking at the camera half the time. Anyway, I'm looking at myself talk. The biggest and most valuable gift you can offer is yourself. Every human being craves genuine connections and relationships. Hence the best gift you can offer someone is your authenticity simply by being yourself rather than pretending to be something you are not. No amount of manipulation skills or techniques can be as effective or as valuable as your authenticity and sincerity. So think about that. Okay, I'm going to read the first sentence again. The biggest and most valuable gift you can offer is yourself. Yourself, who you are, is important to someone, is important to me, is important to people that you interact with. Now, if you pretend that you are someone that you're not, and then you find out that people find out later on that you are not what you said you were, what happens? It's, it's not you. So be your authentic self, authentic self. And the fact of the matter is, is I want to tell you a little bit about my authentic self. I don't know how to describe myself, but I know it's not OCD because I've talked to a friend of mine about OCD and I do not have OCD. I am very structured in the way that I do things. Not to the point where I feel like something bad is going to happen if I don't do it the way that I'm going to do it. But to the point where with myself, if I'm doing something, it needs to be done a certain way. And it needs to be done in the most efficient way possible. And in order to be efficient, I have to decide what works best and continue to do this over and over again. And I have issues right now with something that's going on and I'm trying to figure out how to rectify the situation, okay? I work with people who are not so open to ideas, to change, to different types of structures that make things better. I work with people who are very open to ideas, who want to listen to everything you say and not necessarily follow that. We talked a little bit last episode about being objective and, and how when you ask for someone's opinion doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do exactly what they say but you value their opinion and you want to make an objective decision, an informed decision on what you're doing, okay? So when you go to someone and they tell you, no, this doesn't work, but they've never really been in your shoes, then it's a problem, okay? And here's the case in point. This is how it relates to my life and that's what I like to do is tell you guys how it relates to me and maybe you've been through a similar situation. So in my job, I am scheduled throughout the day to go to appointments, okay? Someone has decided that nine o'clock to five o'clock is the working hours, right? So appointments need to be scheduled from nine o'clock to 3.30 because typically we get an hour and a half in between appointments, right? So if they've made that decision, if they've made that distinction that that's the way that it's going to be and they've decided for you that you're going to have that schedule, then they, they dictated what it's going to be to the customer, right? Now, I don't know about you guys because everyone is different. Every single individual is different. Every person is different. I get up at 4.30 in the morning, okay? 
I'm ready for my day at six o'clock. I could have an appointment at six o'clock. I wouldn't do it, but I could do it. And eight o'clock for me is the start of the day, right? So eight o'clock is when I'm going to leave my house, when I'm going to start working, when I'm going to do the things that I'm going to do if I have to. If someone needed me to have an eight o'clock appointment, I would do it. Now, if a customer calls in and you and they ask you to schedule them an appointment and you say, hey, we got between nine and 3.30, pick your time, okay? And you got a week to schedule out. You're basically throwing a dart at the wall and wherever it lands, you're going to take that, right? So if I have, you know, hour and a half, hour and a half, if I have six hours of appointments to the day, through the day, and they're spread out like that and someone schedules one at 10.30, then it will not work to get more than three appointments, right? The possibilities are slimming and it's not efficient. So instead, if you did time slots, you know, here's a nine, here's an 11, here's a two, one, and then here's a three. And now you have time slots and then a person calls in and you offer. The first thing you should say is, where's your address? And then you offer and you put it in, right? And then you go and you look for other appointments that are around there and say, hey, he's got an available on this time and he's in your area. Will this work? Or you just throw a dart at the board and then next thing you know, you're scheduled in one spot and you got, a, you got an hour and a half to do your appointment and then you got 30 minutes to drive an hour away, which doesn't work because you're late. And then like me, if you're late, it ruins everything. It doesn't ruin everything, but it really throws you off because you're structured and you like to be on time, like to do things that way. So I can't change that. That's who I am. And if I do, I'm following someone else's rules and I don't want to do that. So that's my authentic self. That's who I am. Now I've got two choices. I can sit there and I can just swallow it and not say anything if I think it's wrong. And I mean, this may sound petty to you and this may sound little to you, but to me, this is an important thing to be on time, to be efficient, to get customers' prices, to do the things that you need to do as fast as you possibly can. This is important to me. That's my authentic self. Now, I can't change that. Now, I can't be the person who doesn't, that doesn't care. Um, I'll get there when I get there. Oh, I'll send them the quote when I get the quote. Like, I can't be that person. And if I do, I don't feel about, feel good about myself. So you must be your authentic self in order to make that happen. So don't change who you are to fit the needs of other people is basically what that means. You know, in my life, I would rather, I would respect you more if you had a problem with me, if you came and said it to my face instead of talking about it, talking about me to it behind my back. It drives me crazy because I cannot fix a situation if I don't talk to you about it, okay? I can't make a change if I need to. I can't make an informed decision about whether you have value or whether there's worthiness to your complaint or critique of me without you telling me about it. You can tell me that my way is wrong. You can tell other people that my way is wrong or whatever, but you don't really know unless you come to the source what's going on. You don't know the authenticity of the person. So that's the way that I look at life. I had a boss, my fa- the favorite manager I ever had worked for me, that I worked for at Les Schwab. He could be a real hard ass. I was standing in front of a tire machine one day. I was changing a tire. And 
the phone was ringing and it was right next to me and I just ignored it. And I knew I ignored it, but I ignored it because I was working and I didn't want to answer the phone because I was trying to get this job done. That's not the Les Schwab way. Or, well, that wasn't the Les Schwab way. The Les Schwab way is answer the phone, run out, greet customers, take care of people, do the best you can no matter what, which is the way that I live my life. But at that moment, I had a moment of weakness and I did not do it. He comes flying around the corner and says, answer the fucking phone. Looked right at me. I picked up the phone. Mr. Rob Tyre Center, this is Wes. How can I help you? Took the call. Hung up the phone. And he's still standing there. Pulls me around the corner. Rips my ass for not answering the phone. At this point, I have two choices. I can make excuses or just accept what I did was wrong and move on. And then he has two choices. He can be pissed at me for a very long time because I didn't do what I was supposed to do or he could ignore it and not say anything about it and to just be mad at me. But instead he t- chose to talk to me about it. It wasn't a very nice conversation, but it was to the point and it was forward and it told me exactly how he was feeling. And I knew that. And now I can address the situation. And guess who picked up the phone on the first ring every single time it rang? This guy. So if he did not do that and then he just didn't say anything and didn't say anything like another manager that I had and just held this grudge and treated me like dirt because he didn't know the situation, then, you know, I never would have known. And so I had that situation that I was talking about before happen as well with a different manager. Whereas he thought he knew who I was, never had a conversation with me, never found out who I was and thought that I knew a bunch of stuff that I didn't know and then was mad when they hired me and I didn't know what they thought I knew because he didn't talk to me directly about it. Well, the assistant manager that I worked for helped me get a lateral move to another store and he talked a bunch of stuff that he didn't even know what he was talking about. I was really good at a couple things on the alignment center side. I was really good at everything on tire side, but they come in thinking that I'm a full-blown alignment tech and I was not. I was really good at doing lift kits and that was pretty much it. But I wanted to learn all the other stuff and I was willing to work for it. Well, that wasn't good enough for them. They didn't want to train me. They wanted me to know exactly what I knew. So it didn't work out, but I had a conversation with him. I confronted him about the situation so that I could figure out why he was acting that way. So I've been in these situations in my life and you have choices about the way that you handle them. You have choices about the way that you look at how someone treats you, and how you react to that. And I'm learning as I get older and I'm learning in my life that I cannot control how other people react to a situation, but I can control how I react to a situation. And that is the hardest thing to get a grip on because it's easy to look at what someone else is doing and know that you have no control over that. But do you have control over the things that you do? Do you have control over the fact that you're on time? Do you have control over the fact that you turn in your quotes when you need to? Do you have control over the fact that you do all the things that you need to do in order to be the best you can no matter what there is? Yes. Do you have control over Freddie not liking you? No. Do you have control over the way that they treated him as a kid? No. You don't. You have no control over that. So be your authentic self and control 
what you can control. Control that you are being consistent in the things that you're doing. Talked about last last uh, episode about baseball and how I love that game because it teaches you to be consistent. It takes 10,000 hours to be proficient at anything. Do you think that Brandon Crawford, the shortstop for the San Francisco Giants, hit 10,000 hours and stopped? No. He's probably spent 10,000 hours plus in the cage always trying to improve upon whatever it is. And taking those swings, making those, or getting those reps in every single time. Golf, I love golf. It's one of those games that I do not play enough. I wish I did. And I'm not very good at. But I will tell you this, when I went out and I played twice a week, my handicap went down. My scores got lower. I got better. When I play once every three months, not so great. Not a whole lot you can do about that because you're not practicing, you're not honing your craft no matter what it is. No matter what you're doing, if you want to be a good salesman, if you want to be a good athlete, if you want to be good at editing videos, the only way to get better is to do it. To go out there and be consistent. Do it over and over and over and over again. And the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you pay attention, and the more you get done. So be consistent. You can control your consistency. You can control how hard you work at something. You can control what you do. But you cannot control what other people do. And if your authentic self is someone who sits in a chair and that's all they do all day, then you better find something that you can do sitting in a chair all day so that you can be a productive person. So next time we'll talk about the law of receptivity. And this is something that I struggle with. And that is the last law of this book. And um, I have a couple other books that I want to talk about that my friend Chuck Scott, who I told you about last time and multiple times in the last few episodes, introduced me to a couple books. And I just really think that they're really good books that are helpful to someone who is trying to get started in being better, being consistent, being the person that they are meant to be and looking towards the future instead of looking towards the past. And I think that that's one of the hardest things to do. Okay. I had a conversation with a family member who was talking to me about all the things that I did when I was younger. Now there's no merit behind what he's talking about, but that I was a problem that I had issues that I never was consistent in what I was doing. The problem is, is that the failure to see what is going on in the future versus what is going on in the past is something that you have to get past. Well, it doesn't make sense. You got to get past it, right? You have to get past the past. That's all there is to it. In order to get past the past, you don't have to forget the past, but you have to be better in the future. You have to move forward. And that's what I'm trying to do every single day. There are lessons behind me that I was taught that propel me into the future to be the man that I am becoming. And every single one of you can do that. Thank you very much. If you are seeing this, you are a success warrior. Until next time, I challenge you to find the shape of your success.